Welcome to Going Platinum, the show where one man will review some of the most iconic, or not so iconic, albums of all time. Here is your host, Luke Kane. Hey everybody, welcome back to Going Platinum, the show where I get to review some really cool albums. Today, we're going to take a look at another one of my favorite groups that really took off after their third album that got well received after two failures. The band's name is Supertramp, and the album is Crime of the Century. The band had already been formed in the late 60s and early 70s, but never really had a good album. Yes, they did release two before Crime of the Century, their debut, and Indelible Stamp, but by then they'd already gone through two lineup changes, and their lineup became reduced to only two members, Rick Davies and Roger Hodgson. The two would go on to find three new members, Doogie Thompson, the bass player, Bob Siebenberg, the drummer, and John Halliwell, the saxophonist and multiple reed player. These five formed the classic lineup, which would continue for nearly a decade until Hodgins' departure in 1983. These five would go on to write and record many songs together, but only eight would be chosen to be played on this album. On September 13, 1974, Crime of the Century was released to massive critical acclaim in the UK and the United States. In fact, most of these songs still get played in concerts and on the radio. So, just what makes this album so great? Well, I see no better time than to get into the first song. You heard a snippet of this song in the intro. It is School written by Roger Hodgson. This song really showed off Roger's skills as a lead songwriter for the group. But actually, both Rick and Roger jointly wrote this song. The song itself is split into multiple parts, and that's the main reason that I think this album is so cool. A lot of the songs are split into multiple chunks. For this song in particular, there's about two verses, and then it splits off into an instrumental section, kind of similar to early Pink Floyd. Let me play a little bit of the instrumental section. While the lyrics do seem a little trivial, I mean this song is literally about going to school and what to and what not to do, it's the instrumental break that I believe makes this song so cool. However, if you take a closer look on the next song in the album, you'll realize how we have two opposite forces within the band conflicting with each other. Song 2 is Bloody Well Right, written by Rick Davies. This song seems to have more heavy hitting elements and blues elements. And that's kind of how Rick and Roger conflict with each other on a musical level. I'll play you a little bit of the song to show you what I'm talking about. And listen to the lyrics carefully, because there is a theory going around about this album. That first line right there, so you think your schooling is phony, it kind of ties to the first song, which makes people think that this is a concept album. Not really the case. It's just a coincidence. Anyway, you can kind of see what I'm saying about the idea conflict between Davies and Hodgson. 
This conflict would really come to a boil during the late 70s and early 80s when their last two albums came out. The lyrics also seem like a conflict of ideals. It seems like the lyrics say that you have the right to say it, but you probably shouldn't say it just to be good and keep a low profile. But that's just me. Track three is Hide in Your Shell, written by Hodgson. This song brings back a little of the catchy themes and the faster tempo. The lyrics seem to talk about trying to hide your insecurities and expressing yourself more openly, which is a little bit of a parallel to Hodgson's life when he was a teenager. This is my favorite song on the album because the lyrics kind of parallel my life too. I tried to hide a lot of insecurities about myself during middle school and high school. But when I did eventually open myself up, it became a lot more enjoyable and a lot of people really supported me into whatever I did. While not a concept album in particular, Crime of the Century does have an overarching theme to it, and that is dealing with the insecurities of life and about yourself. This song really does drive that message of if you stay hidden from the world, if you hide in your shell, nothing good is going to come out of it. If you actively seek and find help, there will be help. In the end, it's still a really good song. Side One concludes with the very lyrically confusing Asylum, written by Rick Davies. It's hard to see who the subject is in this song. The song has two parts to it. One song is a very ballad-like section. The other is a very grandiose section that's filled to the brim with overdubs of strings. The first section of the song is about a man who seems to be living off the streets and insists that his mind is okay, even though he has this sort of doubt in the other part of his brain that he is insane. The other section of the song seems to be what others perceive of him to be, a madman. The tense seems to differentiate more in this section than the other one, and that's what I think is more confusing. Not the structure of the song, but the lyrics. If you want to listen to the song for yourself and try and find out what the true meaning of the song is, by all means, go for it. Once again, we can see the polar opposites of Rick and Roger. This song is slow, but it is heavy. And not heavy as in guitars, I mean overall heavy in everything else. And that'll do it for the end of side one. Now it's time to kick off side two. Side 2 starts off with Dreamer, one of the more pop-oriented songs, and probably the main reason why it became a top 10 single. Roger wrote it when he was a teenager, and this song really speaks volumes as to how polarizing Rick and Roger were. In fact, I'm going to play the beginning of this song, just so you can hear his amazing vocals and how catchy this song is. Even the vocals are on the very opposite ends of the spectrum. That is Supertramp. Rick never wrote an upbeat song to this album. Not even close to Dreamer. And I think that it's the flaw that sets Rick back as a notable songwriter. In that he can write amazing songs, but they're either not released as singles or not catchy enough to get played on the mainstream radio stations. 
He later did write more pop-oriented songs, but it doesn't show much on this album, especially when we get to song number six. Dreamer immediately segues into Rudy. You can plainly tell that it was written by Rick Davies, as it does have some blues elements and a prog rock element. The track clocks in at over seven minutes long, making it the longest on the album. The lyrics seem to represent Davies' life, as he's kind of a wandering soul who doesn't have much going for him in his life, and he's just doing everything on his own accord. He has no train to go anywhere. I mean, that's kind of what the lyrics say. Rudy's on a train to nowhere Halfway down the line He don't want to get there But he needs time It's kind of a depressing song when you think about it. He just wants to know that everything's alright in his life so he will never have to worry. He just needs time. What's cool is that Parts of the song were actually recorded at a train station, and they had a few sounds of traveling musicians who went uncredited in the final release. This song became a staple during Supertramp concerts, and even continues today, as most of the other songs are. Track 7, on the other hand, didn't get that kind of reception. Track number 7 is If Everyone Was Listening, written by Hodgson. This song delves into the theater world as it revolves around the saying, all the world's a stage, but all the men are merely players. The lyrics seem to portray a feeling of fear. No one really knows who's in control of this play or production, and it leads to a fear of absence of knowledge. And if everyone was listening, they would actually know what would happen instead of there being a lot of fear. The message can be applied to real life, too. If everyone could just cooperate and listen to each other, then there wouldn't be any fear, and everyone would know a lot about what's going on at this present moment. The song itself did get play in early Supertramp concerts, but not much more after that. It's a shame, because this song is actually really good, even though it is a more slow-moving song than Roger's other songs on the album. And I think the philosophy that Roger went for when recording the next Supertramp albums is for them to be more pop-oriented so they would become more successful. Eventually, they paid off and gave them Breakfast in America almost five years later. But that didn't stop him nor Rick from recording many progressive favorites, including the final song on this album. The title track appears last, Crime of the Century. It's often regarded as Supertramp's most powerful song, and it closes a lot of their shows. And for good reason. It's hard-hitting. It's soft when it needs to. It comes together in a big ending. The sax solo at the end is perfect. John Halliwell could not have done a better job. The lyrics speak of the worst thing done to humanity. But what is it exactly? No one knows. Because... That can't be right. I would highly suggest listening to this song for yourself because there's not really many words to contain how beloved this song is in the Supertramp community. 
So, in conclusion, while Crime of the Century isn't so much a concept album, it did cement Supertramp as a prog rock giant, and this album became one of the best prog albums of all time. It hit number one in the UK. It's amazing to see how when one band had two failures, they hit their stride after the third, and made four more albums with their current lineup. The separation of Rick and Roger never let up, and continued to get worse and worse as time progressed throughout this band. But there's no denying that when they came together, they produced great music, and this album is an absolute masterpiece because of it. This gets my platinum seal of approval. That'll be it for episode 2 of Going Platinum. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, make sure to go follow my Going Platinum Twitter page for updates on when my next podcasts are coming out. Until next time.